Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Now, get ready to spend the next two hours with our three sports-loving ladies, Lauren Brooks, Taylor Dahl, and Mia O'Brien. This is Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Well, ladies, we're not talking about victories anymore, but we at least are talking about pro bowlers here in Jacksonville. Jamal Agnew, first return specialist to ever go in team history, and now your quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, gets to go to the Pro Bowl as well. I think in name only, the Pro Bowl is cool. Mm-hmm. I think as far as the Pro Bowl games go, I could care less. But at least we have two guys now. I assume Jamal Agnew will be a receiver when it comes to the 7-on-7, seven seven, and obviously Trevor is a quarterback. That at least gives us something to look forward to, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. are you gonna are you going to watch the Pro Bowl games? The only thing I think I will watch is the seven on seven because mm-hmm. I do think flag football with that elite of athletes could be kind of fun, mm-hmm. especially if it's my quarterback slinging it. Let's be honest. <laughs> I, even with Jamal in it, I probably wasn't going to watch. But now that Trevor's in it, I, I might take a peek. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been a person to like organize time out of my day to sit down and watch the Pro Bowl. But there's definitely moments like if it's on, if I'm out and it's on or I'm just sitting at home doing nothing, I'll have it in the background and catch certain moments. Because even throughout the week, there's some when they do the dodgeball and things like that, it's just kind of funny more so of like, this is really cool seeing all of this happen. But you'll see funny moments and they're so competitive that you still have that little edge out there where they're they're kind of chirping at each other and stuff like that. Um, So it'll be fun, I think, to see some of those things. But especially now that you do have guys to kind of cheer for and root for while it's happening. Yeah, if I was to ask me, is there a moment from any Pro Bowl you can, the actual game when we used to have the game, from any Pro Bowl game you can ever remember watching live, like can you come up with one? Because I can't come up with any. Uh, I mean, on a morbid note, when Kobe, oh. Kobe passed away, um, I remember watching the Pro Bowl and like how they reacted to that breaking news. Um, and then I remember Jalen Ramsey scoring a That's touchdown about- and playing wide receiver. Oh, okay, there you I go. Remember that. I definitely didn't watch that live. Mm-hmm. I, I remembered that. I don't remember. I don't think I can point out the Ramsey one came to my head just because I remember it being kind of like talked about a lot on Twitter here. Um, but other than that, I think a lot of the moments I remember more from Pro Bowls are a lot of the the skill competition type stuff, not from the actual game. Right. And I'm sure years ago when it mattered, certainly there's moments there. But I think the more important thing overall is the fact that the Jaguars had a quarterback that played well enough to be able to replace Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. in the Pro Bowl. That's the bigger picture is that Trevor Lawrence is really good in year two, and I loved how he treated it today. He was tweeting and, and posting how grateful he is, and I just think sometimes you have to take a step back and go, we have a really good guy at quarterback, and we have a really good quarterback too, and mm-hmm. it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. Yeah, definitely, and I, I think also the Pro Bowl to me – just the way because I think a lot of the voting is done so early in the season that it doesn't really portray like a whole season of things and obviously this is a situation where that came Trevor is now in it but if we would have taken if it was voted maybe a little later in the season when the Jags really started picking up and Trevor started playing better he probably would have been in there before that honestly or one of the ones that were right on that brim where we were talking about it Uh, but because it happened so early in the season you see guys like Tyler Huntley, for whatever reason, being voted in. And a lot of times there's names all over the roster where you're kind of like, mm, not totally sure I get that one, but whatever. 
Um, but it is. I think it's it's lost a little bit of its credibility, I think. But it is still cool, like you said, for namesake to say, hey, Trevor and Agnew are there. Right. And I think that that's a bigger conversation that is going to be fascinating to have, which is we look at the Hall of Fame candidacy. And we always talk about, well, how many Pro Bowls were they selected to? How mm-hmm. many All-Pro honors did they get? Being selected to a Pro Bowl, yes, that's certainly an honor, although now with the fan vote and the fact that, yes, Snoop Huntley uh, was alleged to have had more votes than Trevor Lawrence and could have been an alternate over Trevor. Uh, they did announce Trevor first. I'm wondering if that was by design. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, more NFL rigged conversation. That is very much NFL rigged conversation, Lauren. That is semantics if I ever saw it. Uh, mm-hmm. Spinning a narrative, if you know what I mean. Um, but no, I I do think that that's what's going to be most fascinating is the honor of being selected is mm-hmm. still there. But then, like, how do you how do you look at then Hall of Fame candidacy and be like, yeah. oh yeah, they it was there they, five times. They yeah, he went to the you know the flag football game five times and threw some <laughs> water balloons. Like well, great for him. He threw a couple of pies in the face and got slimed. I don't know. Like, do you put the asterisk when they're an alternate? No, because well, I don't. But at the same time, like that, that's what's also fascinating is like the, like with the alternate. Trevor is the alternate because Patrick Mahomes is in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? To me, like, that, that's, that's allowed. That's okay. Anybody who is the alternate who then is playing because somebody literally just said, I don't want, want to, to play. play. Yeah. Right. I don't want to go get slimed yeah. or throw a water balloon. Um, I don't know if those are actually going to be actual events, folks, but I'm going to throw that out there. Um, th- that's where I'm like, mm-hmm. are we going to literally go through the whole list of quarterbacks in the AFC? before we find somebody who's willing to throw said water balloon. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. We're, we're entering such an interesting territory, and Leon told a great story on primetime today about, you know, the fact that when it was in Hawaii, you wanted the trip to Hawaii, but even then, part of why they moved it out of Hawaii was guys were saying no because they didn't want to take all, you know, the time to go out there and the money and everything else that was involved. Yeah, and one another complaint for me, and this is more something that affected the Bears this season, but Eddie Jackson was a safety who was leading the safety pro full votes all season long but right before the voting hit I think it was like a week or two before he ended up getting injured and they put him on IR so they took it away from him and like that sucks because to me like obviously he couldn't have participated in the games but he was the winner he was the best safety he was voted the best safety and then got it taken away because he got injured right before so I feel like if you're using it as an actual status of how good a player is something like that he should be still counted as a pro bowler in my opinion I wonder if the ratings are awful. Can we just say was selected to the Pro Bowl, alternate for the Pro Bowl, and they get a check and then we move Yeah, that's along. it. <laughs> they, you guys get some money. and Good and, job, guys. Yeah, and maybe a bracelet or something. I don't know. To, to commemorate it. Yeah, <laughs> girls like bracelets. Guys, guess guys like gold shades, whatever. But I do understand how it's evolved and in how it has to have evolved because people don't want to get hurt. And mm-hmm. certainly if the idea was Trevor Lawrence gets to go play in the Pro Bowl, but they're actually going to tackle him. Yeah. Well, I don't know that be we a little feel scared. the same way. <laughs> yeah. Right, absolutely. Well, and Lauren, because that's when Leon was going off today about how, like, it's just not credible anymore and it's a circus and, like, all of these things. I was like, I get it because I think a lot of us agree, agree with that. But also, the they weren't playing 17-game seasons. They weren't playing football into mid-February if you're going to the Super Bowl or late January if you're in the playoffs now. Like, that, their seasons were a lot shorter. And so I think that that probably is some of the things that are leading to them having to alter this a little bit because they're like, all right, these guys are playing a lot of football now and it's going pretty much from August 1st to 
mid-January. I have a feeling Leon's clap back to that, though. Taylor would be like, well, we had two a days yeah, back in training yeah, yeah. camp, and we actually you know who my coach training was? camp. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and it I was only one game left. Yeah, it's, it's only one game. That is true. In, in well, the, the end, playoffs were expanded, too, though. Um, if you're in the playoffs, you're playing more an extra, potentially. An potentially, extra yeah. yeah. In the end, the answer is we have our quarterback, and we have a great return specialist, and that's the good news. Mm-hmm. And whether or not anybody watches doesn't really matter. I, I will be watching the Senior Bowl, I think, on Saturday, by the way. Yeah, I actually haven't been watching as much of the coverage. I've seen a couple sure. of clips here and there. Because so. we don't absolutely have to get one of those guys immediately. That's well, also, why. like, how many mock drafts have you done so None. far? None. Okay, None. Taylor. Well, you're in a no, I've been not... talking about the draft, but I honestly am That's not a Bears the... perspective. Yeah. Not a Jaguars yeah, perspective. yeah. And I honestly am not the biggest like mock drafter. I'm not one of the ones going through the simulations a ton. Like we Just... were the last like three years. Yeah, I, like I'll read them. I'm the mock draft reader, but not the, as much of a doer. Yeah. JJ, have you even thought? Outside of our conversations, didn't on do air. mock drafts when the Jags were picking one, and won't do them now. Ha- have you like outside of our conversations on primetime? Like, have you found yourself looking at any like rankings or absolutely any of those? not? Yeah, because I I haven't either. Like outside of like doing my due diligence and like you know knowing who the prospects are. Like we keep talking about how deep of a corner class it is, and while we know Joey Porter Jr.'s name, we know um, Keely Ringo's name, mm-hmm. we know now Devin Weatherspoon out of Illinois, who's really ascending boards. Like I, I don't know. I care where AR goes. Yeah, like so I That's look. It. Yeah, I because look you're little, curious. Yeah. yeah, right. I look a little further for that, but like I couldn't tell you who half these edge rushers are that make it such a deep edge class. This time, the last two years, I knew everything about those kids. I knew what their mm-hmm. favorite color was. Um, so yeah, I'll tell you, there's about 19 in the top 100 that, their, that. Fa- that their favorite color is blue. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, just between, and that's, I haven't, just because we're very focused, obviously, on the Bears side of things with the number one pick, so we haven't got much beyond that point yet, just because we're kind of just hoping that more trade stuff comes in, but I do know the edge and corner, there's like 19, oh, the corner's like 13, but there's like 19 edge and 13 corners in the top 100, so that's a large portion of the top 100 this year. Yeah, certainly. By this point, we're normally having Jim Nagy on from the Senior Bowl Mm, talking about stuff. We also would have Dane Brugger on to break down the draft, Daniel Jeremiah to break down the draft. And now we've, we're still talking about the Super Bowl and how close the Jaguars are to the teams playing in it. That works for me. Yes. The Jaguars obviously played the Eagles fairly close. So it was a monsoon. And the Jaguars played the Chiefs twice. Lost the first time by 10. Lost the second time by a touchdown. But without that fumble. And, you know, yes, someone, a Chiefs fan would say, well, without Patrick Mahomes being injured. Mm-hmm. But I will say, watching the way the Chiefs performed this past weekend, we're about to get to the AFC Championship and a whole lot more, but watching that, it made me feel a little bit better from the Jaguars' perspective. Like, okay, Patrick Mahomes is insanely good, even yeah. with a bum ankle. All right, we will get to, like I said, the AFC Championship and the Jaguars' take as well. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyra Allen on 10 to next on 82.5 FM. A Tuesday night tradition in Duval. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Jamming out here on a Tuesday. Me, O'Brien, Taylor Dahl. I'm Lauren Brooks. JJ LaSalva making it all happen and playing DJ as well. All right, so the Chiefs beat the Bengals barely to avoid overtime Sunday evening. So, ladies, from the Jaguars' perspective, me, I'll start with you. Are the Jaguars only a really good pass rusher, whether that be edge or interior, away from being able to beat the Chiefs? No, because they still need to find an answer for Travis Kelsey. 
And what would be that answer? A couple things. Um, If you're able to, which I've seen floated around there a decent amount, if you're able to find a safety or a nickel corner that is such a sure tackler that Mm -hmm. they could play that position and trail him, that would be one. What Um, if Devin Lloyd slash Chad Muma just improve with age and experience? That would be nice. That was another option. Okay. Um, I think Mike Caldwell developing as a play caller would also help because we saw Rayshon Jenkins have some success against right. Travis Kelsey. A lot of folks called for Andre Cisco to be covering him, and he didn't. Um, so maybe that's something that comes with Caldwell's development. But at the same time, I do think Kelsey is a unicorn. Mm-hmm. Um, he is always going to get his. But in limiting that, obviously they allowed 14 catches on 17 targets in the divisional round. Kelsey had seven catches on eight targets against the Bengals. Um, if the Jags can cut that number down, then yes, I think they give themselves a fighting chance. Um, but it'll be fascinating to see how the Chiefs evolve from yeah. here because we saw a Chiefs team that had zero vertical threats outside of Marquez Valdez-Scantling this past weekend, and largely that was due to injury and Kadarius Tony goes down, Michael Hardman goes down, but Michael Hardman is in the final year of his contract, correct me if I'm wrong. Sky Moore has largely disappointed, although he obviously had the huge return that set up the game-winning field goal. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see what they do with their roster that'll force the Jaguars to also be able to counter that. And while I do think Tyson Campbell, Darius Williams on the outside, whoever, if they draft someone or bring someone else in, will be able to stop them. Listen, you got to have an answer for Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just, it is what it is. Like, that's what it's going to take to finally win the Arrowhead Classic. And it's not just Kelsey, because if you do beat the Chiefs, obviously you're going to face NFC teams with guys like Dallas Goddard and depending on where Dalton Schultz ends up, mm-hmm. George Kittle, the like. It, that mold, certainly Kelsey being the best of all of them. Yeah. But yeah, Taylor, what if the Jaguars have Calvin Ridley? He's really good mm-hmm. at a star pass rusher. How far away are they? Yeah, and I I think because my answer was close to the figure out how to stop Kelsey, but I also in my head was like, okay, well, with what we saw Trayvon and Devin Lloyd be able to do as they were, I mean, sorry, Devin Lloyd and Muma be able to do as they were developing throughout the season, we'd expect that to be even better next season. And so if you do figure out that part is the piece that you can at least, you're not going to stop Travis Kelsey. It's not going to happen. You just have to limit him as much as possible. And that is where you could potentially get that opportunity. So in my opinion, I do think if you're just looking at it like flat out on the Jaguars side, then that makes them immediately very close to being able to win a football game with Kansas City because obviously we they were already pretty close both times. Granted, this time he had one leg, but even that first time it was within 10 points. And so I think you're pretty close, but I agree with Mia. I, I don't see the Kelsey, the Chiefs not making any moves to try to add somebody else after losing a guy like Tyreek and then seeing that this year Patrick Mahomes can do it with pretty much anybody, but another dude could take them another leap, and then you're competing with that also. And I think a big part of this is Trevor Lawrence taking another step. Mm -hmm. And and certainly, we always talk about year one to year two. With Trevor, it was kind of like year zero Mm -hmm. um, to year one is what we had. And and, But I really do feel like this next year with the offseason, with the same coaches, all the consistency that he's going to have, he's going to take that next step as well. And and so adding, yes, a vertical pass threat in Calvin Ridley does help that offense. But let's be honest, they have to be more consistent Mm -hmm. because in some of the biggest games, whether it be the Titans, the Chargers, at least in the first half, and then against the Chiefs, the offense was sputtering it. And you've got to have the offense be able to put up, I think, consistently at least 
25 to 30 points to be able to beat the Chiefs if you're going to beat them every single time. Yeah, and the slow starts have to stop too. And we talked about that a lot because with the Chargers in the playoffs and obviously Jags being able to make that big comeback, things really started to shift their way. And you're not always going to get those, um, but good teams can win despite that. Um, but despite things always going their way or not their way. So I, I think that with the Jags, a lot of the things we saw this season wasn't it was it was not ever a full four quarters or the majority of the time we didn't get a full four quarters out of the offense. And the moment that starts to happen, it's a different ball game. But I do think Mia adding that pass rusher is going to drastically change what Mike Caldwell can do as far as play calling defensively. Let's hope they get sacks. I've been yeah. told a time or two over my past four and a half years in this town, this is the one. Mm-hmm. This is the one that's going to get double-digit sacks. This is the one that's going to unlock the rest of them. Um, yeah, I mean, you can never have enough good pass rushers. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles right Ugh. now, who I know we're going to talk about in a second. Um, they did go from 29 sacks to 70-plus, mm-hmm. so it can, be, it can be done. Um, they obviously have a much more veteran group of pass rushers. I think the median age of those four guys who have double-digit sacks is 30. Mm-hmm. It's a lot older than Trayvon Walker, who was 21, for most of you know the past year, um, so yeah, I, I Josh think Josh Allen's young, Arden Key's young, Tuan Smoot's young. I mean, they're all fairly young, right? Exactly. So while while I think that those young guys can develop, yes, I do think getting an established veteran, a la Calais Campbell, that that is certainly a need for this team. And so it'll be curious to see in what direction they go because or who uh, Baselli spoke out to the. <laughs> Swear. Trade for Aaron Donald. <laughs> I, like the text line, I love you guys, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. But like, y'all have taken that and run with it way <laughs> too much. And as in, they're all in. Oh, oh yeah. Every day during okay. prime time, we get at least three people be like, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we trade for Aaron Donald? <laughs> yeah. And I am going to run for president and make a million dollars. Well, like, at least the coach Clint? that we have now knows who Aaron Donald is. That, that is, is an a start. Step in the <laughs> right direction. Look, I do think it's funny. People focus so much. Not funny. It's obvious. People focus so much on edge rushers. You've Mm -hmm. got to improve that edge rush. But at the end of the day, I look at these teams and I'm like, it's because of their interior pass rush, their tackles, their defensive tackles that are so good. And that's where I think the Jaguars were lacking. I think Devon Hamilton played his butt off. He's really good against the run. But he didn't get much pressure on quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Foley Fadakasi did not get pressure on quarterbacks. And Roy Robertson-Harris did a little bit at the end, but not consistently enough. And yeah. so I think if you've got the solidified interior, then your edge rushers get to play with a little bit more freedom. And yeah. this is how uh, much of a defensive look I was, I was thinking about, or defensive scheme I was looking into yesterday. All four teams that are in the that were in the championship games this past weekend run a four three. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars have obviously switched to the three four. So I couldn't sleep for a little bit less, and I'm like, should we switch from a <laughs> we three go four back. back to the four three? Is that where we we are left here? But I don't think it's necessarily that. And obviously, there's there's cut hybrid everything. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely not cut and dry. That cut and dry. And there's hybrid defenses all the time. But I do think that. The interior pass rush is the main thing for me that has to improve before next season. Well, I think a big part of it is just fitting your scheme to your players. Um, obviously, with the Jags, you know, Mike Caldwell is a first-year play caller, first-year defense coordinator. He comes in wanting to run one system. He's handed a group of players. They draft a group of players. That kind of changes a little bit. And while um, certainly you have to adapt to those players, we saw a play caller that not only started adapting to those players and adapting to the personnel more as the season went on. We saw him 
you know, adapting to what the opposition showed and changing things up at halftime, even though most of the players insisted it was just execution. We did see him adapting in the second half of games and making adjustments. And so I think that, you know, the hope is they would make adjustments again. I think Doug mm-hmm. Peterson left a couple of Easter eggs in his final availability of the 2022 season when he referenced, you know, Trayvon Walker growing as both an edge rusher and an interior rusher. What does that mean? Does that mean he moves inside full-time to be that Aaron Donald-type player? Does it mean if Arden Key walks, he takes more of that role? Um, It'll be curious to see exactly where they go. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I agree with you, Lauren, going back to the interior part, because it's easy to point at the edge rushers when you're saying, hey, you want to get to the quarterback, but... We've seen here in Jacksonville, seen in Chicago, how important it is if you have a guy in the middle. Because number one, that guy in the middle a lot of times is getting that double team. And the moment that happens, it opens so much opportunity on the ed- on the edge, on either edge. And so that's why it's, it's so easy to just say, oh, I want a guy who's going to fly around both sides. But I do think that interior guy is so important to have. And it, it, that's so much responsibility because, in addition, being able to create pressure beyond that and a good interior guy is going to do that. He's going to get double teamed. He's still going to create pressure, and he's opening up opportunities on the outside. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, so should Doug Peterson have been Coach of the Year now that we know everything that we know, the way that the – Giants were destroyed by the Eagles in the divisional round. And 49ers, it's not so much Kyle Shanahan's fault. He did Mm -hmm. the best he could. But the way that the 49ers lost and Kyle Shanahan didn't have a plan for quarterback number five. Yeah. So maybe you can I put said, that on. Come on. I said, I said if if Shanahan had somehow figured out and pulled another rabbit out of his hat to make how to make Christian McCaffrey be the quarterback, I would have demanded that all of those Coach of the Year awards be handed back, mm-hmm. the, the votes retallied, and everyone gives it to him. Mm-hmm. Because and he may still win. Yeah, he know. may still win because we don't know what with NFL honors just yet. It may be Doug Peterson. It may be Brian Dayball. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Listen, I, I I do think there's something to be said that, uh, which I find is kind of contradictory. There are people who believe, I know it sounds crazy for many of our listeners to hear this, that Daniel Jones is a top 10 quarterback. There are those people. But then there are also the people that believe Daniel Jones is awful. Saquon Barkley is the only bright spot in New York. And Brian Dable literally had a pile of lemons and he turned it into lemonade. And so... That is where... The answer is somewhere in the middle. Correct. The answer is somewhere in the middle, and that is where then the people that are in the latter camp say, well, Doug Peterson has Trevor Lawrence, so that's already a leg up, despite the fact that he was taking over the rubble that Urban Meyer left behind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that I saw, and the reason my answer now would probably change just because of the way the playoffs went for the Giants, not technically the 49ers, um, I think Prisco on your show said he thinks Shanahan will win, mm-hmm. I want to say, he said. Which, I get that because at that point you're looking at he's been through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback and you hadn't you didn't see a huge major drop-off until this last week when it was Christian McCaffrey throwing footballs at a certain point. Um, but, again, you can't blame that directly on the coach, and I think you can only even carry a certain amount of quarterbacks they for the playoffs. They could have, in theory, had a third quarterback active, certainly, mm-hmm. but I don't know who that would have been. Who would been. you make that? Yeah. But I will say, I did think, okay, they're going to have either Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, or Christian McCaffrey, the running back, as Wildcat quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think if Shanahan's as brilliant as everyone says, would have I made thought that work. they could have at least, yeah. not necessarily won the game, I'm not saying that, the Eagles are still very talented, but at least made it a little bit more competitive. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I thought. If Doug Peterson's in there and he's got... 
Who, who Logan would Cook. Where are putting? Logan, Logan Cook. Logan Cook as the quarterback. Hasty. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think, did Snoop or Hasty or uh, Travis might Travis have. ever play quarterback at any point in time? But if he had that, I feel like Doug Peterson would at least been able to get some some movement yeah. with the offense. You know Doug would have no. done something crazy. Like, there would have been something Maybe where Doug we would have been out there. Yeah, Doug, I've got it. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> but when it comes to the Giants, because of the playoffs, I think that I, I lost a little bit of that. Like, okay, this guy deserves it. Not saying he doesn't automatically, but because of that win, it took it away a little bit for me. Because during the season, I was seeing a lot of, you see all these kind of like the scatter charts that they have. And it, one of the ones that I had, it was like the X and Y axis. And one on one of them was the, whatever, I can't remember, like the production of an offense. And on one side, it was kind of like the player help, out, the offensive help outside of a quarterback. And the Giants were with the Bears on, like, the far bottom corner because it was just, like, there was nobody else on their offense that was really being able to produce anything else. And it it really showed with the Giants throughout the year. And it's weird to me because I don't think Daniel Jones is a great quarterback, but somehow he was making things work throughout the season that you were like, okay, I don't really know how you're doing it, but you're doing it. But – he started getting exposed as the season went on, and it definitely got exposed in the in the postseason. Christian McCaffrey averaged five point six yards on the ground. That's kind of where my one my one fault with Kyle Shanahan lies against the Eagles, mm-hmm. and he was averaging that the entire. I mean that that's his final stat line. He was mm-hmm. averaging six yards at one point early in the ball game, and so as much as he had fifteen carries for eighty four yards, and I understand your quarterback was severely limited, mm-hmm. like. Why did you go away from the run? I know they would have been expecting it, but then for Debo Samuel to trot out a stat line of six carries for negative nine yards on jet sweeps and other backfield, you know, carries. Yeah. Like, I, he, just Christian keep McCaffrey was him. also banged up too. He was kind of injured. They had no Elijah Mitchell. They just had like, it was one of those games where they were kind of like going into it. I was like, this might not look as pretty as we thought it was going to be. Yeah. The only person that was healthy was George Kittle. Yeah. And nobody could get him the ball, unfortunately. All right. There's another storyline from the AFC championship game that I want to get to and a whole lot more. You are listening to Helmets and Heels driven by Tyrell at on 10 to next 92.5 FM. These heels are made for talking. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Mia O'Brien, Taylor Dahl, JJ LaSalva, I'm Lauren Brooks. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Tuesday night. All right, there's one aspect of the AFC Championship game that we have not yet discussed. I know other shows have, but I think it collectively for the three of us, broke our hearts when we saw Joseph Osai sobbing on the sideline. JJ, do you have different feelings since you're a dude? And I feel like a lot of times the perception is dudes aren't supposed to cry. Um, Like, do I think guys shouldn't cry? No. Like, you were fine with him crying after the game in the locker room, on the sidelines, all those things. I'm fine with it, but that doesn't make up for what a dumbass you are. Sure, yeah. The mistake that he made was inexcusable. I felt, though, so bad for him because you know he would give anything to be able to get that two and a half seconds of his life Ugh, back. I know. I I felt so awful. Taylor still, was still talking about it I was, like, crying today. in my office <laughs> yes. watching the video again. Now that Taylor and I share what? an office, she was still upset it makes about me it so days sad. later. See, JJ, I knew you would have a different perspective. It makes me feel so bad for you. guys so, are mentally ill. I, <laughs> honestly, I get way too emotional for, like, other people than I do. My, like, I get way more sad and feel bad for other people than I do things that happen to me personally, which I feel like is, is a mental illness. But I... Watch, like so, watching the game, I already was like, "Oh God, he's gonna 
kick himself for that. Like, that sucks so badly. But then you started seeing all the videos where the entire team, like, goes to the locker room and leaves him. The one – was it BJ that stayed with him on the field, too, that was talking That's a good question. I don't know that. I know sure. Jermaine Pratt was the one that was yelling at him. Yeah, Pratt was apologize. yelling at him down the hallway. But there was one guy – I want to say it was BJ because he was the one that kind of stuck up for him in the locker room, too. But he stayed with him out on the bench. It was, like, kind of consoling him after the entire team just left him out on the field to, like – be by himself, and then, yeah, he's yelling down the locker room, and then they're, like, asking, which I don't fault the reporter for asking questions because, like, to me, the questions were valid. I I don't think they were trying to, as part of the job, unfortunately, is sometimes you have to ask those hard ones and ask what's going on in your head when you make a play like that um, because, obviously, it was very costly. But I do respect that his teammate was able to just kind of be like, okay, we're not answering that one right now. Like, we're not doing it. Sure. It's move on. Because also, he's talking to the media. He, he definitely didn't have to. Some of those guys are way immature and would have grabbed their stuff, packed up, and stormed out of the locker room, and he didn't do that. Um, but, it, yeah, I felt so, so, so bad. Well, everyone who's played a sport knows, like, the moment that you commit that mistake. Obviously, none of us have done it on that type of a yeah. scale. but. There have been times that I knocked in a ball in our own goal and we lost the game because of it. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, cried after the game, but there weren't reporters. Plus, I was not being paid lots of money either. But there weren't reporters post-game going, you know, why did you do that? What were you thinking? Blah, blah, blah. But I loved, more so than even the aside part of it, I loved the BJ Hill, like you said, was just standing there and making sure he was okay. Like, if we all had advocates like that, especially people who are, you know, we can joke, but the people who are truly mentally ill, if everyone mm-hmm. had understood that they have an advocate like that or have an advocate like that, I, the world would be a better place. JJ, are they soft? I see you're eating. You got something uh, chewy in your in your mouth. <laughs> uh, speaking of, speaking I, of I don't think they're soft, but I mean, the guy made one of the dumbest plays you can make, and like. No, I don't feel bad for him. I mean, my thing is again, someone has to go home and cry in the words Absolutely. of Leon Cersei. There's got to be a loser at all. That's these the games. way. That's yeah. the way things go. Um, but, I think the Chiefs are winning either way, so right. that's probably why I don't. I'll think say this much because it's I, not the end of the world. I agree. Yeah. I think what BJ Hill did was great and all, but because uh, Joseph Osai still is a young player, um, he's a rookie, right? I but I've I've had to talk to a lot of guys who are sob, you know, upset, angry mm-hmm. at their locker, giving you one word answers, or they put it together and they calmly answer questions. Like it's, you know, it's unfortunately it's part of the job, just yeah. like it's part of our job. Um, well, yes, it was great to see, you know, the fact that he did answer questions. I mean, legally he has to, but at the, at the same time, like, you Wait, know. so they would get fined? I thought that was only like a quarterback thing. No, no. it's a, I, I know the rule is, I'm not sure for postseason, but the rule is you need to be made available postgame. So just at least sit outside your locker. And moreover, the NFLPA and the Pro Football Writers Association have an agreement that every player needs to make himself available at least once during the week. Mm-hmm. So there are rules. I know. Can like, how well, long is available? I mean, it could like, be. How long do I have to sit out front of my locker? Could be two minutes. Could be okay. two minutes. Well, we just had a situation like the week before. I think it was a week before uh, with Stefan Diggs. He left. He bailed. He was so mad. He packed his stuff and left, and the teammate had to go get him out. So, like, granted, I love Diggs, and I'm not trying to like put anything on him, but it would be easy to react that way after something like that happened, and he did it. And right. so that's why I have a lot of respect for him. I agree. Yes. The the Diggs thing was shocking because yeah. a month earlier we're praising Stefan Diggs as the player that, you know, was so just like, you know, just so affected by DeMar Hamlin's medical emergency that he goes to the hospital and takes his own private flight back to mm-hmm. – 
Buffalo and he's a leader and this, that, and the Team other. guy. Right. And, then and now he's not even there when the coaches get there. Yes. The <laughs> yes. Gone. Just that, gone. that fall from grace is nothing short of um, the most underrated story of the last month and a half. Receivers. Yes. Yeah. Divas. Yeah. Can't wait Divas. for him to ask ask out of Buffalo when they uh when they get beat in the divisional round by the Jags next year. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> well, well, the Jags even have to play. Yeah, that's true. We, the wild card would be the buy round that the Jags will get next mm-hmm. year, and then we'll still have to play the division. Mm-hmm. I'm key, I keep trying to figure out how the Jaguars are going to get the number one seed, the buy, and which obviously those go home together. Field, and all the home way field <laughs> host the AFC championship game because you know as as much as traveling it might be fun for Hayes and me, I'd like it right here in, yeah. in Jacksonville. Also, like January in Florida is great. Absolutely. Compared to a lot of uh, Buffalo. Did you guys enjoy? <laughs> I was having this conversation with some of my, my friends from uh, back in Iowa last night. Um, did you guys enjoy the Saturday games or did you not? Having the Jags play on Saturday night. Oh, I liked it personally. I I like it because then I'm the next day I'm not having to like worry about come straight to work. I can right. enjoy my Sunday and do whatever and not be, okay, well, I have to make sure I'm watching the Jags. And if it's late or whatever, especially the eight ones are, are difficult. I don't make it through those most of the time. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm old. So <laughs> yeah. my preference would be that 430 game where it ends up the half of the game is at night. Mm-hmm. So you still get under the lights. You yeah. still get all those things. But it starts at 430 and I still get to go to bed on time or <laughs> the way that it had been going. I still get to go out. Yeah. And go to karaoke after the game because the Jags were winning. But I think if I was a fan and not having to work at all, then mm-hmm. I think, yeah, 8 p.m. is awesome. There's yeah. all this talk of, you know, the Jags are getting slighted. They won't play them on Sunday night. They won't put them in Sunday standalone games. I, I mean, in the moment, getting home at 3 a.m. on Saturday <laughs> nights, uh, not great. But then having a full day back to, uh, you know, to rest if it's a home game or travel if it's a, you know, away sure. game. I enjoyed it. I, I, w- I could go for that again. And Trevor Lawrence, I know he's now suffered a defeat on Saturdays. Yeah. Tears, 38-1. and one. Um, But that's Dang. okay. Let, let's let's make it, well, I guess it would be 39-1. and one, Unless we get the Saturday in week 18. So 40-1. and one. Let's make it a nice even 40 next year. That would be very nice. <laughs> that works for me. Now, Taylor, you're excited about the Kelsey brothers facing off because you love both of them. I do. I, I They're both just hilarious to me. And I think that I watch... I don't listen to their full podcast a lot, but I have listened to a few episodes and they post a lot of just like clips from it. And I follow the podcast on Instagram, so I'll always get those pop up. And they're just so funny and they're real to me too because they'll go into like certain things that you don't even think about. Like you'll see certain players do something. For example, their last one was just talking about there was a clip that went kind of viral because Travis Kelsey was like wiping something off his hand on the back of Patrick Mahomes jersey. And everyone was like, what is he wiping on his back? Like, that's kind of weird. So they were talking about it in the podcast of like, uh, he was like, my hands get sweaty and I'm so sweaty. I can't use my own stuff. And he's like, usually the quarterback's like the least sweaty. <laughs> so we use them. Because he and wants his gloves to stay sticky. Yeah. yeah. And so he's like, I want as much like, you know, you don't want your sweat on there. So you want as much stick on your glove as you Which can. Which is funny because of all quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, you'd think Patrick Mahomes would be the sweatiest of all of them. Because <laughs> no, it was moving around. So yeah. Him and Josh. But that's what, so then him and obviously Travis was saying that, and Jason was kind of ta- joking, and he was like, offensive linemen do that too. And he was like, so you'll see O linemen go to their quarterback a lot and just kind of like wipe their hands. And I'm like, now I'm going to notice. <laughs> like, this is like Travis Etienne stealing Trevor's towel. Didn't that happen? Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Everybody's trying to steal something. Uh, but what did you think post game of Kelsey? Not just yelling like "burrow head my ass." He but said also he called the marriage a brony. Yeah. <laughs> he 
he is so funny to me. I just, I thought it was funny because I think JJ actually sent me, he was like, did you see the clip of the mayor? And he was like, like, they're going to lose because they're just going way too far in this. Now the mayor's involved in trash talking and this is just not a good look. And so we were kind of joking about it before the game anyway. So after the game, as soon as he said that, I was just in tears laughing because I'm like, good for him, though. He's like, because all week it was like the bro head and the mayor talking and all of these things. And you didn't win. And now they get to use all of that as fuel. I've also never seen Jabroni. so many people more confident in beating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at Arrowhead <laughs> Stadium. It well, was no. absurd. I think the two things, JJ, would be one, because Mahomes was injured, but also two, because the Bengals beat the Chiefs their last season. Yes. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, well, he was undefeated. Wasn't he 3-0 and against They yeah. were 3-0, and but most, I think the most important thing was the fact that they... I was at Arrowhead. In, yeah, in mm-hmm. the postseason last season, Joe Burrow had beaten Patrick Mahomes. And yeah, he was the only quarterback to ever be 3-0 and against Mahomes at that point in time. But I think it was mainly because of the injury. Yeah, probably. And I just knew that with all of that, because it wasn't just the mayor, it was... You know, everybody. <laughs> everybody in the media was picking the Bengals. Oh, and the last jersey. Week. It was crazy. I picked the Chiefs. I, I knew did. that. I did too, uh, just because it's Mahomes still. Yeah, exactly. And but. he practiced fully all week. Like, I was yeah. like, I don't think Andy Reid is lying to people saying mm-hmm. he's not practicing fully. No, I think he is. He texted Coach Campo and said that he was going to be okay. Once he did that, I felt it would be all be all right. But a lot of people were like, you know, Burrow's just as good as him. You know, he might be better than him. And Yeah. That's exactly what I thought was strange. Was Huge the motivation. Burrow's better than Mahomes conversation. I, I understand how good Joe Burrow is. Certainly, he has a a winning DNA about him, based off of LSU and and certainly now the Bengals making it to the Super Bowl last season. But at the s- same time, like Patrick Mahomes still does things. He has instincts and agility that even with the hurt ankle. He still does things that nobody else can do. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like he has eyes in like multiple places on his head. You know, like they always said, your mom has eyes on the back of her head or whatever. And she could smack you from anywhere. (laughs) Like Mahomes, it does feel like he just has this vision and he's able to do things, make plays at the very last second and evade sacks. And it's not just because he's mobile. It's also just because he has the instinct to pitch the ball or or, you know, jump past the ball. Like, mm-hmm. he just knows exactly where to put the football at all times, even if it's a shovel pass. Yeah. And that's certainly one aspect of Trevor Lawrence's game that needs to improve to me. Yes. Yes. I mean, uh, the backyard football. Yeah. And I think that'll that'll grow as he grows into this offense and as this offense develops to, uh, according to Trevor. And that's something that Doug Peterson said last week as well, that he definitively wants to have Trevor's input during this offseason as they continue to mold this offense. And I think, you know, as he develops more of a rapport with the receivers, we can't forget Zay Jones and Christian Kirk showed up in March. Mm-hmm. Marvin Jones was here. Evan Ingram showed up in March. Yeah. Calvin Ridley is going to show up in April this year. And as much as maybe Trevor has some contact with him during that two-month period in which the team really can't have contact or on-field contact with Calvin Ridley, but players can, maybe he meets up with him then. But otherwise, yeah, it's going to take some time. Yeah. By the way, quick shout-out. Patrick Mahomes had a tweet that I loved. He was talking about his assistant athletic trainer, Julie Freimeyer, who designed and executed his rehab all last week. And he said, Julie was the reason I was the guy I was on the field today. It takes everyone, but she led the charge all week. Now let's get Super Bowl ready. A friend of mine is an athletic or was an athletic trainer for many, many, many years in South Florida, and he is good friends with Julie. And so I loved a that Mahomes shouted her out, but also b that uh, that she can clearly be someone who the Chiefs are going to let be in charge. And mm-hmm. it's great to just see females able to blossom and also be recognized for that. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think that that shows. And as much as Donna does not like 
Mahomes or yeah. I feel like any of them, honestly, true, at this too. point. But I Mahomes ha- does a lot of things. He had a shout out t- towards Trevor with like the Waffle House thing at some point. He's constantly doing that. He's constantly doing little things to make you like as much as you're like, man, I want to beat Patrick Mahomes. He's not one of those guys yet that you like, I can't stand him because he's, yeah, it's you know, coming, like we talked it, about. it's going to get yeah. there. But he does stuff like this where you're like, oh, Aaron Rodgers would never do something like this. Talk about his the trainer. He would right. never, never. That is a good point. And, and also for what it's worth, by the way, I do want to note that. So Rick Burholder, the vice president of mm-hmm. sports medicine and performance, who tweeted that tweet that Patrick then quote tweeted, he also gave a shout out to David Glover, who is the um, chiropractor slash trainer that spent 48 hours with Travis Kelsey. Oh, no, TJ Hackler is the chiropractor. David Glover is the trainer. And the two of them spent 48 hours with Travis Kelsey getting him ready for that game. I I appreciate not only when they take us behind the curtain, but they, they give mm-hmm. the people who are behind these medical magic. Yeah, because moments. we do. We constantly are like, man, he just got like rolled up on pretty hard by like a 300 pound man and he's playing still. And you don't think about it. You're like, wow, he's resilient. But how much work these people behind the scenes are putting in to get them ready for those games also. Oh, absolutely. And I guarantee that rehab is painful. Oh, yeah. When you're talking about a high ankle sprain, which is what we've been told he's dealing with, that is some painful rehab. But certainly uh, he's got two more weeks of it, and then he's going to try and win the whole dang thing. Speaking of that, we will get it to the Super Bowl next. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tarotlet on 10 to XL 92.5 FM. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Taylor Dalmia O'Brien, JJ LaSelva. I'm Lauren Brooks. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Every Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m., we're going to talk a little Super Bowl now. Who are you rooting for, Mia? Are you rooting um, for the Chiefs or the Eagles? Um, I, I'll say this. I think that the city of Philadelphia will be absolutely fantastic for hashtag content if the Eagles win. Mm-hmm. I'm always rooting for content. Um, but I do think this is a legacy game. This is a legacy postseason for Patrick Mahomes. So many people wrote him and the Chiefs off once Tyreek Hill was traded to the Dolphins. Um, the question of what if he goes 0 for 4 against Joe Burrow if they had lost this past week. What if he is one and two now in Super Bowls? What does that say about his legacy at the current juncture, which is hilarious because he's only 27 years old and Tom Brady is almost 46 and still playing this game and we're still figuring out what his legacy will be. Can um, Andy Reid get a second Super Bowl? Yeah, and that I also would love to see because it was so funny. And J.J. and I were talking about it yesterday here at work. Um, he, he, J.J. was lamenting about how not enough coaches go for it on fourth down, but Andy Reid does. And I said there's only one other person in the league that does, like Andy, and that is Doug Peterson because he learned at the foot of Andy Reid. And so mm-hmm. guys like that, that, you know, they, like they're playing. I play- was also saying he, he challenged that play, yeah. which it wasn't a catch, and they ended up losing the challenge. But I was sort of going back to the game earlier in the day where mm-hmm. Shanahan didn't challenge the play on like a fourth and six, whatever, where they get the ball down to the five. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he obviously didn't catch it. But it's like some of these coaches will hold on to these timeouts like they're gold. And it's like, dude, 
That play is worth more than any timeout you could imagine. And Kyle, Challenge the damn play. Andy yeah. Reid does. Kyle Shanahan said after the game, you know, we didn't have the angle, so we didn't know right away. Shouldn't you have been cued? Don't you have people in the booth? And don't you because have Devontae, Devontae Smith? Smith? Yeah. Like, just look at Devontae He's Smith. like, go, exactly. go, go, go. Exactly. Yeah. Brian said that live when we were watching. I was like, I wouldn't have even thought about that necessarily because I was still trying to figure out if it was a catch. Yeah. And Obviously, yes. Once the team goes hurry up, they know something yeah. that you don't know. And so, because yeah, a lot of, certainly should have challenged that. Yeah, because a lot of times in plays like that, you will see the wide receiver, tight end, whatever, their reaction. And their reaction you can go by pretty quickly because they're kind of like, I didn't catch that. And right. you can tell. Or they're like, flexing. Yeah. And so I, there, that moment I was like, oh, he knows he didn't catch that. And it was immediately you could tell he was just like, go, go. Because I do that. Like when I'm watching a football game and it's close, I'm Spike like, just it. so yeah. Oh, yeah, why not? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why I also knew the Chiefs were going to lose their challenge because Tony right. got up and was like, yeah, I didn't catch that. <laughs> Which, Canarius, Tony might need some acting lessons. <laughs> yeah, uh, And Devontae so. might need to be told, like, just relax. Yep. And yeah. try, try to put on a poker forward, face, man. You right, guys need a, like a different hand signal yeah. that maybe you should Exactly. Make. Who are you? So wait. So I'm rooting the for end? the Chiefs. You're rooting for the yeah. Chiefs. Okay. I'm rooting for greatness. All right. Taylor? Um, I don't know. I, this one's like probably the first one in a while that I can like don't have a true favorite that I want to like somebody. Usually it's either I like a team or I hate the other team. So I, you know, pick one or the other. Um, but I think I might just go for Philly, uh, a few things. Number one, I just think it'd be kind of funny to a slap in the face to the Titans because they're like, haha, you got, you lost AJ Brown and then now he mm-hmm. wins the Super Bowl. I personally like Jalen Hurts a lot. Um, and after like he got talked to, about so badly for a while and people were saying he's a bust and give up on him and for him to have a season like he had this year is really it's exciting for me I am like uh Philly fans are a little wild and a little aggressive I know you have a Philly fan friend that I've Mm -hmm. met and she seems wonderful sure (laughs) but she's absolutely yeah they're a a little crazy and a little mean for my liking and some of the ones I've seen (laughs) but I think I I think I'm still rooting for Philly I do want to note real quick and uh Taylor and I talked about this yesterday if Jason Kelsey, if the Eagles win, Jason Kelsey is 35 years old. He is a pending free agent. He do, looks five years older than me. Do you go out on top if you're Jason Kelsey? Do you retire if you win the Super if Bowl? If you're healthy, I don't think you do because you're still earning a fat paycheck. Yeah. If you're not so healthy, then I can understand. I mean, offensive linemen, their joints get oh, yeah. so banged up. But again, if you feel good, who was it? Uh, Andre Whitworth? That oh, no, Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know where it got Andre from, but... He played till he was, what, almost 40? Yeah. Now, granted, he went out on top. He won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But he had another five years to the point of Jason Kelsey at this point. So I, I think it all depends on that. But it's an interesting. But also, you could win it again next year. Why not Why not run it back? Well, on. because look at what happened to Tom Brady. He ran it back for that exact reason. How's that going for him? He's looking like he's going to be on to his well, he, third team. He also chose football over his family, so <laughs> that's not, that wasn't Sometimes, ideal. Sometimes, yeah, wasn't you, ideal. You pay. Speaking of, though, did you guys see, when we were talking about Philly fans, did you guys see all the hecklers to Joey Bosa that were going around? Incredible. Absolutely amazing. Loved it. I think it was hilarious. I thought Joey Bosa for a minute was about to fight them. I think the, the way Jaguars he was walking broke over him. <laughs> I, I truly think the Jaguars broke him. And what made it better was, did you see the second video that started floating around yesterday? And it was in him in the suite. Yeah. And they were showing him pictures of Trevor Lawrence to like taunt him. Oh, wow. I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> it was but so good. I love it. Obviously, he was there because of his brother yeah. at the NFC Championship And he was in game. Niners gear, which some people were like questioning that. I'm offended by that. Really? Why? Because... 
You, if you're wearing your brother's jersey, that's fine. Yeah, but he's like decked out in Just an all full garb. It's like the the Chargers literally pay your pay. <laughs> you know, like they put food on your table. You both I think play it was in California. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I honestly thought it was really weird. Who are you cheering for in the Super Bowl, JJ? Pat, always Mahomes. Okay, I can understand that. I do think. The way I look at this Super Bowl, yes, I have a friend who is a diehard Eagles fan, and I certainly want the best for her happiness. But as far as for me as a football fan, I want the best quarterback to win. I don't think Jalen Hurts had a great NFC championship game. His team just had the luxury of skating right on past. I don't even think the whole team really played that well. No, I don't it, think it so either. It was like such a fake 31-7 yes. win if that's possible. Right, absolutely. And the week before, obviously, they won 38-7. That's the same score that the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. They had won 38-7 in the divisional round. So there's all these people you know, thinking that this is set up for them to repeat. This is the first. If the Eagles win, well, I guess – they're both number one seeds. So if either team wins, which is going to happen, we are not mm-hmm. going to have a tie in the Super Bowl. Uh, it'll be the first number one seed Don't to win. Don't put a Pascadell. That's also yeah. true. It'll be the first number one seed to win since those 2017 Eagles. Wow. Uh, but so the Eagles would be the second time, second team to do that. I just think it, because I, from the Jaguars' perspective, I think Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than a lot of quarterbacks in mm-hmm. the league. I want him to win more Super Bowls than anybody who's not as good as him. Mm-hmm. So I guess I want Patrick Mahomes to be able to beat Jalen Hurts. And Andy Reid, I think, is a better coach than Nick Sirianni. If the Eagles win, though, by all means, as much as I am so glad Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson didn't get along, uh, Howie Roseman's done a terrific job building that roster, building what they have there and and. You know, they'll have to figure out how to run it back, I suppose, next year. But as far as their cap space is concerned, but as far as the team itself, they are loaded top to bottom. And and certainly that's how I would be talking about the Chiefs if the Chiefs still had Tyreek Hill. Oh, yeah. The Chiefs, by the way, just announced five minutes ago, this just in, uh, will be wearing white jerseys in the Super Bowl for the first time in their history. They wore red jerseys in their three previous appearances. Interesting. Will this affect the outcome of the game? Many are saying this. I would think that... I'm kidding. Yeah, I would think that <laughs> then the Eagles will wear, what, teal? They're you mean like green? green. Yeah. I, I yeah. call it teal, but yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they're greenish color. It's not really green. It's not really teal. It's somewhere in the between. Uh, where does Donna Kelsey sit, Mia? Yeah, that's my favorite, my favorite storyline going into the Super Bowl. Um, let's be real. She's going to sit in a suite so she doesn't have to pick sides. She's going to get that split jersey on. I can't wait. Um, I just want to know how many local TV interviews she's going to do. I need, if you're listening and you're a local TV sports reporter or anchor or even a news reporter or anchor, I need you to please do a story, reach out to someone in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. I need all the information about the Kelsey family, how many people are going to the game, what the spread is, are they having a watch party back home for the Cousins, Please give me this intel. Why do you like this storyline so much? Because I just know how uh, local news works, and I can guarantee you there are going to be at least eight stories nationwide. Oh, I So this is more sarcastic as far as local news. Oh, no, truly. No, no, but, like, I truly am looking forward to just, like, the crazy (laughs) coverage of, like, one woman who, mind you, has been doing this for years. Last year she literally took a flight from Tampa to Kansas City so she could see both her sons play in a day, which is awesome. Um, but, yeah, and, and local news loves stories like this. 
So that's why I just can't wait for all the people. Like, I've already seen it on the timeline 18,000 times. Did you know they're the first brothers to play each other in a Super Bowl? Because we've had brothers in the Super Bowl, but they mm-hmm. were on the same team. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think, like, that storyline is going to get dropped at least 12 times. And, and I, we've I'm had brothers coach against each other, but not play against each other. And yes. then there's a conspiracy theory that Mahomes had to be in the Super Bowl because it's at – State Farm Stadium? Yeah, JJ, cue the conspiracy uh, X-Files music because um, let me tell you, folks. Well what, done. <laughs> what commercial? Yeah, we practice. Um, what commercial has Patrick Mahomes become synonymous with? State Farm. The Super Bowl is being played in what city? It's Wasn't being played it Arizona? in Arizona. Glendale, Arizona. Glendale. What is the stadium in Glendale, Arizona named after that Patrick Mahomes will be playing in? State Farm Stadium. Makes you think, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I got to thank my idiot Cincinnati Bengals friend for that one. <laughs> Is that what <laughs> they really that. think? No. Oh, I just okay. thought it was funny. They just, yeah, throw it out They're there. like, well, it wasn't Aaron Rodgers this year, so we, we go It was back. always going to be one or the other. We should have known. <laughs> what is the most annoying commercial of this playoffs? Um, I know the correct the Whopper, answer. Whopper, Whopper. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't really mind it. <laughs> have it your way. That's how you know we've seen it a few yes. too many times. But people now have been just like talking about it nonstop on Twitter. And like that's like an Instagram and TikTok. And, like, They've been talking about that commercial? Yeah. Like oh. I always say, it's all about the jingle. Yeah. If you yeah. can get someone to remember a jingle... Then you've done your job, no matter how corny it is. When you're stuck, some of the spots on this station. When you're stuck, call the duck. Exactly. There's several I find myself singing sometimes on the station, and then I'm like, all day, (laughs) me all day long. But I'm like, I don't even know what it is. Like, I just know the words to the song, and then I have to think about. I'm like, what is that company? Oh yeah, but I guess that's the point because then you want to Google like what is you know like erectile dysfunction. Yeah, I'm like, oh, never mind. I was at a friend's house and. All the kids were hanging out on the couches, and somehow something came up about the radio station and, and one of our sponsors. And so then I was like, all right, this game will be fun. And so I'd be like, all right, sing this song. And it's all commercials. Like, And they got it, everyone. You know, <laughs> I'd be like, all right, Bueller Air, stay. This is, these are little kids under the age of 10. Stay cooler with Bueller. And so, JJ, you're right. The marketing, even yes. at a young age. Uh, as long as you have high enough frequency, just call us if you if you need to advertise with here with Ten Ten XL. We are happy to help you. <laughs> All right, Taylor's got some Super Bowl storylines and a whole lot more. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tara Outlet on Ten Ten XL ninety two point five FM. A Tuesday night tradition in Duval. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers on Ten Ten XL. We talked a ton about the Super Bowl. Taylor, any other Super Bowl storylines we need to be aware of? Well, there was a couple that were a little more focused on the football side because I know we talked a lot of the storylines of, you know, the Kelseys and the the conspiracy theories and all of that stuff. But obviously, and then there was a player from was it the Chiefs who tweeted out that he wants to see Rihanna at halftime. Oh, I didn't see that. Yes, I forget who it was, but one of the players He's like, was like, "Hold on, how do I do?" He this? was. He was like, um, "This is not a joke. How do I get to see Rihanna perform at halftime?" I forget who tweeted that out. I'll have to find the, that who that well, was. Well, was it the kicker for the Bengals, the Florida kid who ended up just like Pearson? Yes, yeah, he and he sat the there show. and watched the show. That was awesome. So it was, and then they like, like zoom they get in, in on trouble him. for that. Well, no. He was like yeah. the first to ever I guess do it. If you're a kicker, they're probably like maybe you're he apparently all right. he had to apologize. Yeah, he did have to apologize, oh. but he said he just w- didn't want to like you know he wanted to decompress and stay loose. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Marquez Valdez Scantling. That's who. Oh, it that's was. who it was. Yeah. That was so MVS funny. wants to make sure that he can 
watched Rihanna, which I mean, he literally was like, serious question. Can I watch Rihanna at halftime? I kind of understand his yeah. point. Although all the ads with her hair, that thing was crazy. Did y'all see that? Like the, I don't think her I hair was like yeah. twisting all the way up like three feet. It. it was wild. Anyway, continue yeah. please, Taylor. Well, yeah, obviously. So we have all of those fun ones, but then you have the more football related yes. ones, which we talked a little bit about our picks and things like that. And we talked about Patrick Mahomes' ankle. Um, but one of the things that I think maybe could be a, po- a possible storyline, this Eagles defense is very good and they will get to the quarterback. We saw last week, the chiefs having some issues with that a little bit and the Jags in the beginning of the game against Kansas city was getting Patrick Mahomes and Ta- Patrick Mahomes was getting pressured a bit last week. But I think that the Eagles could bring even more to that. Do you see that being a potential problem at all? I mean, certainly a, you've got a quarterback who's hobbling around, but B, you also have a team that has one of the best uh, sack percentages in the game or sack numbers in the game, it is going to be certainly a massive challenge for the Chiefs. I remember the last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl and they lost, it was a a banged-up offensive line that was to blame, and certainly Mm -hmm. that was the case last year with the Bengals. The Chiefs' offensive line did pretty well against the Bengals this past time. I think, honestly, though, too, you can reverse it and say that Jalen Hurts, and granted, he's a very mobile quarterback yeah. as well, but he's got a little bit of shoulder injury Chris, coming to the Super Chris Bowl. Chris Jones is scary. <laughs> Chris Jones and Frank Clark are both yes. very scary. And so I, I think both teams, it, I honestly think we might see a score kind of similar to what we did in the AFC Championship, mm-hmm. like a 23-20, something along those lines. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be fascinating and i think it's going to kind of you know to bring it back home to jacksonville here i think that it will bring full circle the importance of either you need to have just a ton of dudes along the line and you need to have the edge rusher or just how vital that interior pass rusher is i mean we've spent how many segments across all of our shows here on 1010XL the last few days after what chris jones did on sunday saying that's who you need you need that guy you mm-hmm. need the aaron donald the chris jones like that's the type of guy you need. And so I think it'll be interesting because I think then there'll be a referendum on what type of pass rusher you need, especially in light of the fact that, you know, Chris Jones is technically classified as a defensive tackle. Franchise tag numbers went out early this morning, yesterday afternoon. A defensive tackle is worth less than an edge rusher. It's only $1 million difference. But it's worth noting to see mm-hmm. how that goes from here, especially as edge rushers continue to be these unicorn-like figures on the field because they are easily the most athletic player on a roster. And how do you develop an edge rusher versus how do you develop a defensive tackle? Taylor, I try not to ever pat myself on the back, but I will say I was talking about the Jaguars needing interior pass rush last week, mm-hmm. probably because we did see the Chiefs and how good they were. But before yeah. it became kind of a, a story, story yeah. or station-wide story, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and – I think that when you look at it too, that a big part when you look at defensive lines back, those are those are changing also because back in the day, a lot of those guys were just big run stuffers, such as yeah, space yeah. eaters, and that's what they did. And now these guys in the interior are also super athletic, and they're doing a lot of things. So that and edge are just becoming so much more valuable. Um, I feel like recently, but when we look at another storyline for this, obviously Jalen Hurts, we mm-hmm. just mentioned, and we saw last week probably. You guys said maybe not the best game by Jalen Hurts, and there was it, the score kind of looked better than maybe what they actually played. Yeah, they were um, able to run the ball very easily. Yeah, but so for Hurts, he was part of four college football playoff teams and three national title games. So obviously he's been in some big moments, but do you think he'd be, he's going to be able to hold up in a moment like this against a team like the Chiefs and Andy Reid? Yeah, I don't know. Lauren? I don't think the moment's going to be too big for him. Yeah. I don't know that he's 
a talent as talented of a quarterback as Mahomes is, or even honestly Joe Burrow is, or Trevor Lawrence is. Mm-hmm. But I I don't think that's going to be the issue. If if there is an issue, I think it's going to be because he's not accurate enough with the football. Now, yeah. granted, he's got the luxury of having AJ Brown, who yeah. you can and Devontae Sa- Smith. It's a the same major time. safety net. <laughs> Absolutely, you yeah. kind of throw it in their vicinity, mm-hmm. and they're going to catch it. Trevor Lawrence, we have seen, has not had a guy like that. His honestly, Trevor Lawrence's most sure pass catcher is Marvin Jones, the slowest one of all the receivers and pass catchers on the team. But as far as Jalen Hurts goes, look, I, I am cheering for him as a person. I just don't think that he has the accuracy that's going to be able to get him to win the Super Bowl. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he has ever since Nick Saban benched him. But have we really seen him in the game of all games? Because, yes, he came back in the SEC championship game after Tua Tagovailoa went down a few years ago, and he led them to a victory. That feels like so long I know. ago. Now. It was four <laughs> years ago, uh, almost five years ago. Um and yes, he took Oklahoma to the playoff where they got smoked by Joe Burrow, which anyone would get smoked by Joe Burrow. Well, and the loaded team that LSU had that mm-hmm. season, correct? For sure. um, so I don't know. It, it's going to be fascinating. I don't think he's going to implode. I don't think he's going to throw five interceptions. That's not really in his you know repertoire. It's just if yeah. he does, Gardner Minshew is <laughs> coming in, in. <laughs> right? Like I think if anything, you know, I mean, he only threw. Uh, well, I guess you know, yeah, he threw six interceptions this year. Yeah, but he only threw twenty-two touchdowns. Um, so I think if anything, it's the fact that he, you know, the reason Saban benched him was he couldn't take you over the top. Yeah. You needed someone who could take over a game. Mm-hmm. And I think he's proven that he, he has developed since that moment. He can take over a game if need be both with his arm and with his legs. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't see a world where he implodes, Yeah, but I see a world where the Eagles aren't going to score per se with the likes of the Chiefs, unless their defense is also scoring touchdowns. Yeah, I agree. And I know Frank had a stat today that the Chiefs are not very good at third and short. Correct. And so they're that, the worst. Third on third and one, they're yeah. 50, isn't that 50%. insane? Because they they can't run the ball as well as they'd like to, obviously yeah. with Pacheco. It, it, the Eagles run the ball me, really well, by right. the way. Mm-hmm. No but one's talking tells about me that. that. The, Miles Sanders looked really good this he year. He did. Boston Scott had a touchdown mm-hmm. as well. Kenneth Gainwell Hurts had a touchdown. Really yeah. Gainwell outgained them all. Um, but something tells me that yeah that the Chiefs <laughs> won't allow that. Like yeah. they're, they're too smart for that. And I feel like Andy Reid also he's well aware of their third oh, and yeah. short game, and so he's going to be working on that all week is or the the next two weeks as well. Yeah, well, and you mentioned them being too smart for that, and that's a I think another big storyline in this. We talk a lot about Andy Reid and him facing if his you know former team. But uh, do you think that Nick Sirianni's coming into this underrated at all? Because he had the best record in the NFL. It's with a quarterback that maybe not a lot of people had a whole lot of faith in. Granted, there's a lot of weapons, and that defense is really good. But, one, do you think he's a little underrated? Two, do you think he will be able to keep up with Andy Reid in a game like this? Underrated as a defensive genius in constructing that roster, although obviously Howie Roseman's going to take a lot of the credit, and Jonathan Gannon is now garnering head coaching interest. Um I think as a defensive guy, he doesn't get enough credit. As a head coach, I'm not going to lie, gals. I'm kind of <laughs> sick of the guy. I enjoyed, yeah, I kind I enjoyed his press conference with his kids. Yeah, the mini Mia. <laughs> uh, yes, the mini Mia was fantastic. Um, I enjoy him stomping for his old boss, Frank Reich. I think that that loyalty is amazing. But a lot of the antics 
whenever I click back to, you know, my home state of New Jersey's coverage of the Eagles and, you know, like, oh, look at him yelling and trying to hype the fans up and he's one of the guys. And I'm like, he he looks like the nerdy kid in my eighth grade algebra class, um, you know, but who got cool when he when he got older, um, which is fine. And like, I'm not trying to like dismiss that as the reason that I'm like over it. But he, he definitely he he's not. He, he's not like the rest of, mm-hmm. you know, these head coaches we're seeing right now. I mean, if you look at those four teams in the AFC in particular, Andy Reid, easy uh, as they go, top, just give yeah. him a cheeseburger. He's happy, <laughs> non-confrontational type of guy. You got Doug, who's a little bit more confrontational, but he's built from the same cloth as Andy. Sean McDermott, put your head down and do the work. Zach Taylor feels like more of the same. The fact that he was fiery as he was during the game because of the questionable calls, mm-hmm. but then towed the company line post game kind of, you know, he's pretty buttoned up um, just like his brother is here, which, you know, they're professional guys. And so I don't know, like I, I haven't really like, you know, I, I'm not as into the Sirianni story story yeah. and cult. I don't, but like I said, I appreciate it when he went, stuck out his neck for Frank Reich and called out Jim Irsay in Indianapolis. That was poetry. That was poetry when he was yelling at the fans. Yeah, like (laughs) that was a little odd to me to handle it that way. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's 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 quirky, but it's not like a normal. quirky. It's funny. I feel like if you gave me a multiple choice test of like 10 questions on NFL coaches, like each NFL coach, where they're from, what they like, all that kind of stuff. I feel like I kind of have an idea of of the majority of them. Nick Sirianni, I feel like I don't know anything about. (laughs) I, and I know he's in the second year, and yeah, he's defensive minded and all that stuff. But I feel like outside of that, he's not a guy that has been that interesting, mm-hmm. so to speak. Maybe because yeah, he was the nerd who all of a sudden got cool. Now. Got cool. Maybe that's why. <laughs> it's because he's hanging out with Jalen, and he got yeah, cool. <laughs> exactly. To buy, and AJ Brown by yeah. default makes you cool. Can we start saying the good Jalen and Jalen Hurts yeah. as, a, the, as compared the, with the bad Jalen and Jalen Ramsey? Yes, maybe we should start, or just don't worry about the other Jalen. <laughs> That is true, too. All right, those were good storylines. What about Sean Payton of the Broncos? Y'all like it? Um, It's wild. I mean, like I've seen a lot of memes on the timeline about they're the new Rams because bleep those picks. Um, They don't care (laughs) about picks anymore. Right. I mean, this is as all in as you're going to get outside of the Rams pre the Super Bowl run a year ago. Um, I mean, is Russell Wilson broken? Can Sean Payton fix him? I, I'm not sure the answer to that. Yeah, I'm not sure either. And I think me and I were talking before as we were racking our brains trying to figure out where this pick came from anyways because we were. I was like, wait, Seattle has their pick, so I'm confused. But then we ended up figuring it out. It was the Bradley Chubb trade, but it was like a long it's actually list the of Niners the pick. Niners pick. So it was like yeah. this weird thing. But as we were figuring that out, we also started – I was just like, man, like it's, it's kind of wild, but I guess the Broncos are looking at this like – we're in a kind of win now situation, and they 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 have some guys. They have obviously with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy. They have guys, but that could potentially not be there in the next year or two. This defense will start kind of falling apart within the next few years too, with some of the contracts they'll have to be able to keep. Russell Wilson is obviously, from what it looks like this last season, kind of on the other side of where you want him to be. But does that mean that you know maybe having the right coach and obviously Nate Hackett was not hit? Um, makes it a little better. I think they're in their head it's just kind of a win now. But the whole storyline is interesting anyways because Houston hires the guy that they wanted, and then they go back well, to Sean that's Payton. A, that's according to Rappaport, Rapp- but yeah. according to Schefter, they never wanted D'Amico Ryans. So there's been a bit of a – Drama. Yeah, a bit of a <laughs> war between the two insiders. Yeah. I enjoy the beef. I'm here I, for the beef. Yeah. I just have to say, I've, I've said this many times, I would never want either of their jobs, Rappaport oh, or Schefter. Oh, me either. I love putting my phone away at night and not looking <laughs> at it again until the morning and at times during the day not looking at it for a while or back or whatever. Like, well, it is, ugh. 
The funny part was that it kind of overshadowed Rappaport going on Pat McAfee earlier and some of the nuggets that he dropped on that broadcast, this breaking news feud later in the afternoon, the fact that, you know, he talked about how he expects the Ravens, if a long-term deal can't be reached, to franchise tag Lamar Jackson. I think that's what logic suggests. Sure. Um, but he said that at this juncture he thinks he's seeing more of a franchise tag mm-hmm. being in the near p- future for the Ravens. And then he also gave a nice little anecdote about your boy, Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. and how apparently uh, they've been having conversations without him yeah. as if he won't be here. Yeah. And so that was also discussed. Well, and Rogers was not very happy from his remarks by it, too. And all that gets swept under the rug because yeah. of these two hires. So <laughs> all Taylor. in a day's work, rap sheet. Well done. <laughs> I do think the hire by the Texans is really good. D'Amico Ryan's mm-hmm. from all reports seems to be a, a great guy. It's interesting that they went defense when everyone else seems to be going offense. But I think that's a great hire. Sean Payton to the Broncos. I have, like you said, Mia, I have no idea because I don't know about Russell Wilson, and they cannot get rid of Russell Wilson for the next few years. I asked the guys earlier on our show, do you think they'll draft someone, kind of like the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts, like in that mid-50s, late-50s pick in the second round? And I mean, but then you're not improving around Russell Wilson if you do something like that, because now you don't have a first-round pick. But to me, that's what I would want to do if I'm Sean Payton. I would want to draft my version, I guess, of Taysom Hill. Mm -hmm. Well, I do think on the defensive side of the ball, they have a ton of talent. But now the question will be, who is their defensive coordinator? Um, and how do they harness that talent? It'll be curious to see if they're able to keep all the wide receivers intact and that whole core out there in Denver because, again, you're going to have to pay the piper at some point or another because they have done a pretty good job of drafting. And their offensive line at times struggled this past year. Mm -hmm. How do you rebuild that? So there's a lot of question marks for Sean Payton to address, and so that'll be curious. But speaking of drafting, Mm -hmm. speaking of D'Amico Ryans, because I agree, I think it's a great hire by the Texans, but at the same time, I've seen multiple personalities online and on TV say, that's great. He's a great coach. He's perfect. They better get the right OC, and they better get the quarterback. And so Dan Orlovsky tweeted this. JJ, are you listening? D'Amico needs to bring the OC with him and hit on the quarterback. Miko played in Houston under Kubiak and then has been in San Francisco with Kyle. Whoever he brings as an OC is sure as heck going to come from those roots and the quarterback that comes to mind first, Anthony Richardson. Mm. See how it plays yeah, out. I'm sure that'll name, work honestly. out for D'Amico Ryans. <laughs> It'll be two years and gone. Right. Well, that's what a lot of people said. Do you want him to be the next Robert Sala strapped with Zach Wilson? And that's who he's been strapped with for the future. So Might as well hire Josh Gaddis. Trying to trade up because the Bears are getting rid of their <laughs> The best part is, is now I'm looking in the replies, the ESPN Houston reporter, the D-Rock, if you may, literally said, I would love AR in Houston. And then other people replied, Dan, what if they have the choice between AR and Will Levis? This is literally my nirvana right now. It's amazing. Please take one of them. Please Mm -hmm. keep the AFC South free of Bryce Young because you know the Colts are trading up to one with the Bears and they're going to take the other one. Please, I'm begging you. I would absolutely love it to be Will Levis uh, in Houston because I don't think he's very good at all. AR makes me a little nervous Mm -hmm. because if he figures it out mentally, he's obviously got all the physical tools. I liked this tweet from Pete Prisco earlier. The Texans' job is better than the Broncos' job right now because they have assets and will have a quarterback on a rookie deal. 
So most people, obviously, a a year ago would have thought the Broncos job way better than the Texans job. The Texans, we were all kind of laughing at the Texans two years ago. Well, I picked the Broncos to win their division, so that does not I couldn't remember if I did, but I think I might have as well. Yikes. We did not believe in the Chiefs. Well, and you mentioned that, uh, Mia, too, about the line, because Russell Wilson and Justin Fields were tied for most sacks in the the league, so they're going to have to address that also if they want the Sean Payton thing to look like it can work. Now, Fields' line, yes, was really bad. I feel like Russell at times held A lot were ball. on him. Yeah. yeah, way too many times. So uh, there you go. We've got one second to go. You're listening to Helmets and Heels driven by Tyler Outlet on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers on 1010XL. One segment to go here on Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. All right, what do you watch without football? I would tell you last Monday night or the Monday night before, the first Monday night that we had no football. I walked in the house, and I didn't know what to watch. <laughs> like, what do I like, do? Yeah, like, it literally hit me, like, there's there's no football on tonight. What do we watch now? Didn't you say you read a book? So, yes. Well, once football season officially gets to the championship weekend, then I can read some books. But before that, I try not to because I'm one of those people that can't put the book down. Uh, I'm one of those bookworms. And so I waited until after championship weekend to get a book. But I've been watching Wheel of Fortune. Oh, okay. That's what, what, it is. That's what has, Do you watch Jeopardy like, afterwards? So I feel dumb watching Jeopardy. Am I the only one? No, no. I love it. You love it. So, I love but, being either dumb or getting it right and feeling smart. <laughs> I will like, yes. Glass half full. But I only get a few right, and then I find myself doing this. Oh, I knew that. I almost said that. I was yeah. about to say that, and then I'm like, shut up. Most times I'm Everybody like, I don't even know what you- that means. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first round is one thing for yeah. Jeopardy, but the second round, I, I have no idea. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and then after that, I don't know what to watch, and so I have been going to bed really early. That's the other thing I've done yeah. without football on. Yeah, I definitely have – well, I've also been moving, so – I've you've been busy yeah I've been pretty busy anyways and then when I'm not busy I'm tired because I've been moving but I'm done with that now so I'm sure within the next couple weeks I'll be like okay well now what I want to watch but usually it's I'll catch up on shows because there's certain shows that I like that are on during football season but I don't usually watch because they're on on like Sunday night or Thursday night or something like that or it's just a binge Netflix and I'm not going to do that most of the time during football season so for me usually it's just catching up on shows that all my girly shows that I ha- didn't get to watch during And see, that's part of my problem. I don't have shows. Yeah. And I don't do any binge watching. So that is why I'm left with that conundrum of what do I watch? Basketball. And yes, yeah, I will say. a lot of basketball. Lots of basketball. College basketball has now started entering that. Um, I still, though, I'm not someone who's going to sit down and just watch a completely random game. If it's the SEC, I'll most likely watch. Or if it involves, like, Kansas State right now with Kenta Johnson, mm-hmm. I'll tune into that. But in like if it's just take like two Pac-12 teams playing mm-hmm. basketball tonight, even if they're both ranked, I'm not going to watch. Well, you yeah. got an exciting one. Speaking of Keontae All Johnson, right. him in Kansas, uh, seventh ranked Kansas State, eighth ranked Kansas. Of course, in the O'Brien poll, the all important O'Brien AP top 25. I have Kansas at three and K State at four, so that's a top five showdown according to my AP top 25 ballot. Did they just play? They did play like three weeks ago or two weeks, two weeks yeah, ago. Yep. Recently, yeah, recently. Kansas State won. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep, because they won. That on, was in Manhattan. Correct. They won on the Keontae alley-oop yes. um, and overtime. Um, but they are at Lawrence and at Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas okay. today, um, only being broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. What? 
because of the Big 12 deal. That is a bunch of crap. Welcome to 2023, everyone. And it's about to get worse, right? It's, a, it's a top 10 game. How we watch things. Yeah, and just wait till obviously YouTube TV. Right, YouTube TV. And moreover, with um, the Big Ten is going to go to NBC and a lot of the other shifting contract negotiations. And, you know, depending on who goes to Amazon potentially and Apple. And I saw, you know, with MLS getting, you know, the Apple like MLS pass, like, you know, those games are going to go there. And talking to my NBC buddies, they're obviously excited that they're going to be getting the Big Ten. But they're all but losing college basketball. They already lost hockey. We already got a ton of hockey games on ESPN+. Plus. I saw the Yankees and the Reds are going to play an 11 a.m. first pitch on like a random Wednesday. It's only on – or on random Thursday, excuse me, and it's only on ESPN+, Plus in the middle of May. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's the way the world yeah, turns. Once, once baseball starts, that's like and that's all the, I watch. Yeah, <laughs> that's the easy answer, certainly. Yeah. It's the in-between, and I will say, mm. like, I'm – Sort of lucky. Really, the only night that I struggle with is Monday night. Yeah. Tuesday night, we work. And then Wednesday night, Brian has soccer games, so I get to watch sporting events live. Thursday night, this time of year, like, we'll be at JU this Thursday. We'll be at UNF next Thursday, so we've got college basketball live. Friday night, everyone knows I'm watching Friday Night Heights, a.k.a. Florida Gymnastics. And then the weekend, we'll figure it out, right? Like, if I'm not locked into something, that's perfectly fine. JJ, are you like me? Do you not watch shows? Are you struggling without football? No, I watch the same thing I would watch whether football's on the weekend. I mean, but like I, Monday yeah, night and Thursday eight. night, you watch what JJ? I watch basketball. Yeah, you watch NBA. Hmm? Are you watching? Oh, that's right. You are you finding NBA. yourself watching more NBA or more college? I haven't watched a college basketball game in about <laughs> ten years. Not even your Miami Hurricanes. Never. They're on right now. By the way, uh, they are currently, I believe, yes, they're ahead of Virginia Tech uh, by two down in Coral Gables. Isaiah Wong, twelve early points. Do you know who that is? Never heard of him. Cool. Yeah. Neither has anyone listening. Yep. But Miami is still the 23rd ranked have, team in the nation. I have because I had to do the hurricane report, and I talked about him <laughs> a few times. There you have it. And, JJ, for the NBA, you'll watch any game. doesn't matter. Absolutely. What did you think of? I Le- won't watch any game. If it's like the Hornets versus the Magic or something. Oh, the Magic hey, the are Magic actually last fun night. right now. Did you watch the Magic that? are fun. They have a couple yeah. good young players. But uh, I, I'll – See a player I like what time they play after I get off work, and I'll put that game on. Did you watch any of the Magic and the Sixers last night? I did, and I was here, but I saw – I hear from Hack enough about the Magic, so I don't have to <laughs> yeah, watch Yeah, you them. don't – you can keep up through Hack. Absolutely. And you're a big LeBron fan, I know that. So are, do you cheer for the Lakers right now? Yes. Okay. I, whoever LeBron cheer if LeBron played for Iraq, I'd cheer for Oh, my them. God. <laughs> Well, we've That's the like line the most of the show. Opposite we've done this the line me. of the yeah. show. <laughs> we've done the live golf conversation back and forth. JJ and I are on opposite sides of that, so I will not go down that path uh, anymore. Iraq is a country, folks. No, I know, but the thank live you, golf, JJ. We were yeah, not just saying it's not you know. It yes, it's it not was, like a terror group. Well, right, yes, but most people associate Iraq with terrorists. Uh, wow. I'm just saying Americans, I think, associate Iraq with terrorists. Maybe not people around the world. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, when it comes to River City Rumble, yeah, Mia, you worked the River City Rumble. The women's the, game. The women's last week. Oof. We've got the men's this week. Tell us all about it. It was epic, let me tell you. So what's interesting this year, if you want a quick River City Rumble primer, A-Sun primer, since you're just coming out of football season, want to know what's going on with the local teams. Um, during COVID, the way that the A-Sun scheduled – all of its games was pretty much back-to-backs where you would play the same mm-hmm. team two nights in a row or in the case of Jacksonville where there are two A-Sun teams in the same city. Maybe you play JU one night, UNF the next, and then you make another trip down to Jacksonville, you play UNF and then JU again. For whatever the reason, they decided 
the only series for both teams on both the men's and the women's side that you literally play the same team twice in one week is the River City Rumble. So the JU and UNF women played each other last Thursday. The JU won in convincing fashion. They went off from three-point land. They won by, I think, 23 or something like that. And then they played again on Saturday at UNF Arena. And that game was the one that I called, and it was a lot more closely contested, mostly because UNF just started making threes like at a rapid pace that they looked like the men's team, who, of course, affectionately are called the Birds of Trey. Um, big reason for that, shout-out to our girl, Maddie Millar, formerly of Bishop Kenny, now freshman at UNF, freshman of the week in the A-Sun. Uh, she was one of three players that simply went off from three-point land. But credit to uh, to Darnell Haney's JU Finns. They outscored UNF 28-6 to in the third quarter. They came wow. firing out of the second half. They were down, I think it was like, 18 or 19 points at one point in the second quarter because UNF just could not miss. Um, so it ended up being a four-point game. UNF holds on in the end thanks to, uh, let's just say, some heat check threes by Lyric Swan, who's their Juco transfer, who's their leading scorer. Um, she pulls up from three at the top of the arc to tie it, I believe it was, or go up by one. And, like, that one, you're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, that was a good, you know, pass the ball around, made the third pass. I just watched Hoosiers last week, so that's how <laughs> I make, make the third pass. My fourth pass, excuse me, three passes before you can shoot. Um and then the second time, they get a defensive stop, and then she literally just dribbles up the court and just, like, pulls up from, like, you know, halfway between the logo and the arc. And I know there were a lot of people on press row going, no, 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 no. But it went in. So, heat check, you know, hit the three. I told her in the post game, I said, you know, big players make big plays and big games, and that's what she did. So, um, so yeah, so uh, big win, and the Maddie, Maddie Millar made field goal or field goals made free throws down the stretch. So one and one, to ice it. So yeah, so one and one in the women's series, okay. men's series on deck this week. So they're at Swisher on Thursday, UNF on Saturday. Ju is currently five and five in league play. They are four games back of Liberty and Surprise Kennesaw, who are tied atop the table. UNF, a little bit more work to do. They're only six games back, so only two back of JU, so they could make up some ground this week. Um, but three and seven in conference. They didn't have a really good road trip over the last week and a half, and so Matthew Driscoll's team's obviously going to try to pick up the pace there, although Carter Henriksen, who's obviously the headliner, has mm-hmm. been a four-year starter for them, uh, possibly five years. I keep joking with him. Is he actually going to graduate this year? I don't know. Um, he is. He is. He assured me this is his last year, uh, averaging like 30 points over the last two weeks, uh, just a torrid pace. And so that'll be a fun one. And of course, you know, just two very different styles of basketball. JU, if you're into JJ's NBA type where it's just like the length on these guys is nuts and you literally just trot out like some of the biggest, most athletic dudes you can and they can play all five positions on the court, that's JU. UNF is much more, hey, we're going to shoot the heck out of the three ball. We're going to defend the three ball. We're going to play great defense and we're going to play team basketball. And we may be a little undersized, but by playing as one, that's how we're going to win games. And that's how Matthew Driscoll has built his program over the past 13 years. And so it's two very contrasting styles. But the home home court advantage was definitely real in the women's series last week. So I'm curious to see how it is with the men's this week. Yeah, I would assume it's the same way. I saw that Swisher is sold out. So when you do those games, you are either color or sidelines? Yes, I did call the play-by-play for UNF's dramatic uh, three-point win over uh, Kennesaw State. Was it Kennesaw? Yeah, it was Kennesaw that they won. I'm pretty sure it was Kennesaw that they won on the um, Jose Place. uh, I always mispronounce his name, and I literally had him in my class last semester. (laughs) Placer. Jose's three-point from the logo, and I believe that was to beat Kennesaw, I'm pretty sure. I should know this because I called the game. Um, But, yeah, I called that. Yes, yes. Do you have, like, a saying? 
Uh, yeah, apparently. Rise and fire. I missed. I really dropped the ball on that one. I, I really. Still time. I should have said no. I should have said. Well, no, no. I should have said no way, Jose. That oh, should have been the call. for that one. Yeah, I I, that should have been the call. Um, so I called play-by-play for that one. I'm doing color for a couple women's games, but then sidelines mostly so for the So you've done all women. three. Yes. That is very impressive. Thank you. Yes. Not everyone has that skill set. Yes. We'll work on some sayings for you. Yeah. I'll get in the lab. <laughs> I think I think that needs to become a segment on primetime as we segue to basketball I'm season. I'm down with that, actually. Me and JJ are just going to rehearse my different sayings I could potentially say. So <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh, it was Kennesaw. It's been, it's been confirmed to me. It was Kennesaw, that, which is their only loss in A-Sun play. And so, again, as much as UNF is six points back of first place, or six games back of first place, right. excuse me. I mean, you know, they did hand the first place team their only loss of the season, of, of a some play this season. Well, well done on the update, and certainly, like I said, well done being able to be that versatile. I know. Uh, as far as Loser Monday goes on the Frangie show, I was the biggest loser of the year is what we thought. I had five losses. Gibby only had three. Hayes and Frank had two. And then Gibby lost back-to-back weeks. Had, had either Frank or Hayes lost or obviously me, then I'm wearing the loser hat, I'm the biggest loser of the year, blah, blah, blah. And not in the good way of the biggest loser of the TV show back when you like lost all the weight. I'm just an actual loser. <laughs> and so Gibby lost twice in a row. I literally beat him by one point. If Travis Kelsey had caught another touchdown, I lose. Uh, he wins easily. But I didn't have any touchdowns. I had Jamar Chase and I had George Kittle. We know what happened with George Kittle. Jamar Chase had a great reception, a long reception, but didn't get in the end zone. The only reason I was able to survive was Evan McPherson got me a ton of points, whereas his kicker, Robbie Gold, did not. Either way, now it comes down to Super Bowl prop bets, uh, and I'm already nervous, even though we won't make those picks until next week. What happens if it's a tie? Uh, if that's a, It can't be a tie. We'll have to have like an odd number of prop bets, and then therefore, whoever loses, loses. They're not going to lose. Frank and Hayes are the ones designing this. There's no chance they're going to let this do he's a kinda, tie. He's kind I'm of Although they do losers. like torture or double losers. Hey, it's only one hat, so I don't know if we can uh, both fit in it. He's yeah. kind of having a um, Tennessee season yes. with <laughs> a yes. little skid at the end. That is very true. Both volunteers and Titans, <laughs> yes. which I saw a guy in a Titan shirt today, and it took all I had not to say, say something. something. Like, swept you for the first time Isn't in 2005. <laughs> I did not say that to him. It was... It was not. Like my son got me the shirt for Christmas. Yeah, I know. Right? Don't it's even like, know who thanks. they are. It was not in an appropriate place. It was in a doctor's office, so I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't just yell at him. Yeah, I couldn't like. He's slam like, ma'am, I'm your doctor. Right. Like, <laughs> so I kept my mouth shut. Uh, but either way, and finally, I, quick Florida gymnastics update. Nobody cares except me. But Florida wins again, another season high, taking on Georgia this past weekend at home. So Florida still ranked second in the country taking on Arkansas this coming week. Uh, it's on SEC Network Plus, which I hate. Mm-hmm. I hate all the pluses, uh, but either way, hopefully another win for Florida. Trinity Thomas got her 23rd perfect 10. I thought oh she goodness. should have had 25 because I thought she also had perfect 10 on bars. Leon Wong did as well. And on floor, but the judges are stingy at times, and I think they're tired of giving her 10s. But either way, she got her 23rd perfect 10. And I am hoping for more this coming Friday. I thought yeah. Leon Wong played for the Hurricanes. <laughs> That's what? Isaiah Wong. Isaiah. Oh. <laughs> Fantastic. Well but done, He was like, hold on, what are we talking about? Can I, wait, wait, speaking of that, can I leave you with this tweet I just read Please. by Lindsey Jones Go from The Ringer? It. Um, it won't be at all confusing that the Broncos head coach is Peyton, the GM is Patton, mm-hmm. an actively involved, very famous player is Peyton.
Yeah. And they drafted Paxton. (laughs) Who is now playing (laughs) for the the Orlando Guardians. (laughs) I do also want to give a shout out to the Iceman real quick because they've been playing very good hockey. If you haven't been paying attention the last couple months, they've been hot. They've won five of the last six now, but they're back home Wednesday and Thursday against the Solar Bears and the Everblades. Um, But they're tied for second right now in the South. Nice. And obviously we're within the last couple months uh, until we get to the playoffs. So if they keep playing like the way they are, we will see them in the playoffs again like we did last year. So um, super exciting. Yeah, Wednesday and Friday they are in town, though. Well done. All right, for Mia O'Brien, for Taylor Dahl, for JJ LaSelva, I'm Lauren Brooks. Don't go anywhere into the night with Rick Ballou is next on 1010XL 92.5 FM.